This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I will say this about investing. Everything you do learn is cumulative. What I learned at 20 is useful. Welcome to the Equity Mates Summer Series of 2020, brought to you by Superhero, the newest broker in town offering $5 flat fees and also $0 brokerage on all ETFs. Over the next 12 episodes, we're going to be diving into some of Australia's largest and most well-known companies as selected by you, the Equity Mates community. We'll be unpacking the company, its industry, the outlooks and key financials, and in some instances, we'll also be taking the tough questions straight to the CEO. To do this, as always, I'm joined by my equity buddy Ren. How are you bro? I'm very good Bryce. I am both excited <laughs> and a little nervous oh, for this one. Okay <laughs> okay this one's got you all wobbly. Why is that? Uh, well this is a company that on the date of recording is not actually listed. On the date it's released it will be listed Gee. and so Everything we say in the next 20 to 25 minutes may become outdated very quickly depending on how the company lists and how it runs in December. Yes, yes. Well, look, we are lucky enough to be able to be speaking about this pre-launch and also getting access to the CEO of Booktopia as well. So keep your eyes and ears peeled for that interview. What we really mean is it will be in your feed while, when you're listening to this, hopefully next to it in your feed. Yes. So don't you don't have to keep your eyes straying too far from where you are right now. Yes, <laughs> yes. We're talking about Booktopia. As you would know, it is a book retailer. So the way that we're going to be doing this episode is, as always, we're going to be doing a bit of a company summary we're then going to look at the industry more broadly and some of its major competitors. We'll have a look at the outlook and future plans. But as, as I said, we're going to be speaking with the CEO, so we will be taking some of the questions directly to him. Having a look at the financials and potentially evaluation, depending on how this episode plays out. As always, again, a massive thank you to Will. He has helped us and has done an incredible job with the analysis and research for this. He is an Equity Mates community member. So, Will, thank you very much for your help on this one. So, Ren, Booktopia. Yes. Australia's largest online book retailer by market share, approximately 6% of all book sales and 15% online book sales. So, in Australia. In Australia. Yeah. yeah. 
In addition to books, they also sell ebooks, DVDs, audiobooks, magazines, and interestingly, puzzles, stationery, and cards as well. So oh, yeah. they <laughs> dabble in a few, I guess, supplementary products to the books. It was established in 2004 by CEO Tony Nash on a marketing budget of just $10 a day. Gee, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, not bad. And has since grown very rapidly to 310 full time employees and ships over six and a half million items. So, look, it's a, a company that we have have been aligned with for some time with Equity Mates. In 2015, they acquired Angus and Robertson bookstores and in 2020, the University Co-op bookstores, which we're very familiar with back in our day, Ren. Dude, you never went to the University <laughs> Co-op bookshop. That is not true. Uh, I, I want to check the tape on that one. <laughs> now, they are known for their technology and they boast a state-of-the-art automated distribution center in Lidcombe, Sydney. So very much that Amazon style with capacity to stock three times their current facility and a capacity to ship 60,000 items per day. So it's good to see that they're placing themselves pretty well against the likes of Amazon and I guess those other large specialist online retailers. If you're not positioning yourselves to compete with them, then you may as well walk away. Yeah, yeah. Last thing about the company summary, they launched an in-house publishing division in 2019. Mm, mm. So I think from that company summary, there's a few key takeaways for me. First of all, the market share, the fact that they have 6% of all book sales and 15% of online book sales, and they're the largest online book retailer in Australia. One just tells me how fragmented the industry is, that there's no really dominant players if 6% makes you the largest. And then two, the in-house publishing division is an interesting one. It indicates that they're looking to vertically integrate. And, you know, the traditional book market is there's a author that writes it, a publisher that edits and publishes it, a bookseller that then sells it and each of them capture some of the value along the way and it feels like Booktopia have realized that they want to try and get some of the value that publishers are traditionally getting and so they're going to vertically integrate and move up that value chain a little bit Mm. which makes a lot of sense and it'll be interesting to see how that plays out and how they compete against the Simon and Schuster's and the Penguins and the Allen and Unwins of this world. Jeez, Mr. Publisher knowledge over here. (laughs) (laughs) This is going to be an interesting one. I've got a lot of thoughts on this company, but let's keep rolling. So COVID has been a bit of a book bonanza, I think you could say. Mm, Um, mm. As people were locked down, the online book retailers in particular enjoyed the combination of people buying stuff online rather than in store and people having a lot of free time on their hands. Yeah. Yeah. So, Ren, the impact of COVID on overall book sales, we saw a surge leading into March prior to lockdowns, an overall decline in April as bookstores closed, which you would obviously expect. But I think overall, the first quarter of FY21, sales for books have grown 4% compared to the previous quarter. So nothing too surprising. Yeah, there. yeah, yeah. The decline was their store, their store sale. Yeah. yeah, yeah, because their stores were closed like everyone else. Yeah. The 4% doesn't feel like a huge number. The first quarter of FY21, so July, August and September of this year. But 4% is more than the overall book market is growing. And so I think that's a pretty natural segue into the industry context and some of its competitors. Yeah. So the... Overall, Australian book market has remained pretty flat. Between 2015 and 2020, it's grown at an average annual rate of 1.4%. And so in that context, the 4% 
big. Is bigger. Mm. But the interesting thing and the thing that anyone who's looking at Booktopia as a potential investment really needs to pay attention to is while the overall market is relatively flat and basically growing at probably not even at the rate of population growth, but it's growing at 1.4%. Within that overall market, there are some significant shifts underway. And in particular, that's the online book industry and it's eating the physical bookstores lunch. It grew at 15% between FY19 and FY20. So whilst the overall pie isn't growing, the respective shares of the pie between physical retailers and online retailers is really changing. And I mean, this is a story as old as time, really. You know, Amazon started as a book retailer and just was able to offer such a bigger range than the physical book sellers who are just constrained by the size of their store and the amount of shelf space they have. Are you familiar with Book Depository? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So when yeah. I was researching this company, Book Depository is owned by Amazon. Jeez, yeah, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So not only do Amazon sell enough books through their own channels, but they also own probably the next best well-known bookseller. And the book depository was UK-based, actually founded by an ex-Amazon employee in 2004 and then was acquired by Amazon in 2011. And then Booktopia is obviously an online seller as well. And so they're taking market share from the physical retailers. Mm. But at the same time, Booktopia also owns Angus and Robertson, which used to be, this is just me guessing, but I would I would have guessed the second biggest yeah, book retailer after Dimmicks. It had a lot of presence when we were younger. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. But I think they've shut a lot of stores. Yeah. But anyway, Ren, to put some numbers to those sort of growth rates, and, and I found this surprising. In FY20, Australians spent approximately $2.5 billion on books, both physical and ebook. You're an ebook man yes. on, your, yeah. on your Kindle. This is the other trend that I want to get to. Yeah, but yeah let's let's talk about this first. 36% of those purchases being online, which translate to an online book market of just shy of a billion dollars in FY20, much higher than I thought. Really? Yeah, yeah. The average household spends the average Australian household spends $177 on books annually. Yeah. And I'm sure if you're a law student or an economics student, that's your two law textbooks gone because they're <laughs> damn expensive. <laughs> Written by your lecturer. Written well. by your lecturer. <laughs> the world's biggest stitch up, honestly. And you have to buy the newest edition every single year. The average Australian household spends approximately $177 on books annually. As a percentage, how much of that 177 do you reckon is read? Or how much of it is aspirational purchases that sit on a shelf and never actually get opened? Of the 177, 150 would be spent on the 3rd of January as a New Year's resolution. The whole, like, I'm going to read a book a month. Either the 3rd of January as a New Year's resolution or the 20th of of December as an emergency Christmas present. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So... You want to speak more about the preferences and trends that we're seeing here, Ren, and I'm certainly noticing the uptake in the Kindle and the ebook. Mm. Um, so perhaps, you know, you want to touch on that a little? Yeah, sure. So approximately 92% of Australians are classified as readers. Only 8% are classified as non-readers. So you're Surely. in the vast minority there. <laughs> <laughs> and compare that to the US and the UK, the US 27% of the population are considered non-readers wow. and in the UK 24%. Wow. In that 92% of readers in Australia, 90% of Australians read physical books, 53% read e-books and 12% read audiobooks. 
Now you may realize that those three those three numbers don't add up to one hundred percent. It's just because it's not mutually exclusive. Yeah. I mean, speaking from personal experience, I read a Kindle, and I'm a big fan of a Kindle, which we'll touch on in a sec. But I also buy the occasional physical book. Mm. The distribution of how many physical books v how many ebooks has changed a lot over the past decade, and it's very much weighted in the ebook favor at the moment. Yeah. I think. Cost wise as well, it makes sense to go the Kindle route. But cost wise, um, convenience. It's Amazon makes it's so easy. So easy, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you just carry one little tablet around rather yeah. than, yeah. It's something I haven't got around to yet for some reason. I still like buying the, the, the solid books. Really? Yeah. It's even just little things like the fact that it's backlit means that like you don't need a lamp or a light yeah. on and stuff like that. Yeah. Just I mean, there's many things. advantages and I'm sure I'll get around to it at yeah, some stage, yeah, but yeah. I just like having the book there as a reminder that I read it. It's also like, so <laughs> I just bought Obama's book and it's like 720 pages. The fact that it's in a Kindle, you're not daunted by the size of it as much. You just read it. You, you know? don't know how far through you are. <laughs> no, there is a percentage sometimes, but yeah, for me, it's a better reading experience, but you know, whatever yeah. floats your boat. In terms of that distribution though, in FY20, 86% of books purchased were physical books and 14% were digital books. So the market share for Kindles and other e-readers is still small in comparison to the overall book market. But, you know, that 14% was 0%. Mm. When was Kindle launched? In the mid-2000s? Yeah, so 20-ish years ago. That number has grown. If my experience is anything to go by, we'll continue to grow. Yeah. So in terms of the competitive landscape, Ren, obviously... It goes without saying the big global competitor is Amazon, who you said owns the book depository. Uh, you can also buy books through iTunes and Google Play. So no surprises that on a global scale, the big tech companies are playing in this space. But if we look more locally here in Australia, you've got the likes of Dimix, which has a very comprehensive book selection, some great stores to go into. I, I really love the one down on George Street in Sydney. QBD bookshops and a couple of others. Burke allows, which I've never heard of. So a few competitors, but I think in an industry like this where everything is going online and, and that's where all the growth is coming from, to think about it both domestic, just try and separate domestic v international competitors is the wrong way to go about it. No. You're competing with Amazon. Yeah, yeah. And this whole Australia's largest online book retailer is a little bit misleading when we think about it in that context because yeah. it is true that it is Australia's largest online book retailer, but it is not the largest online book retailer in Australia. <laughs> no, no. And that is an important distinction because Amazon has 70% market share. Yeah. It's just not Australia. It is yeah. just in Australia. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Amazon is the, I don't know, what do they call it? Thousand pound gorilla. It is the it is the monster that is both dominating the sale of physical books and then also owns the market for e-books. There, there are other e-readers, but Kindle is you know, Amazon created Kindle and the dominant player for good reason. Yeah, yeah. So, Equity Mates, before we talk about Booktopia's future plans, how they plan to grow and a few of their financials, we're going to take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. So, we've covered off on what Booktopia does and where they sit in the industry of booksellers, both online and physical. As a newly listed company, they've obviously got 
big plans for their growth. So let's talk about what the future holds for Booktopia. And I think off the top, the main things to talk about are the industry's growth and where Booktopia fits into that. Because let's be honest, book selling is a pretty old industry. What the printing press was invented in the 1400s. And there's only so much innovation that can come. Like obviously eBooks have been a big innovation. Booktopia will get more efficient with their distribution channels and, you know, their warehousing and stuff like that. But really... It feels like this is one of the companies that is is pegged to the overall industry growth. And so the industry is forecast to be worth 2.6 billion in FY21. So that'll be 4% growth, which is a little bit faster than it has grown over the last Mm. few years, I think. A lot of that will be because of COVID. According to some industry experts, one of the main things they look at in terms of the overall market for books and the growth of that is actually population growth, but specifically population growth aged over 65 category. Because they have more time to read. Well, I guess so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so they expect that population as a proportion of Australia's population to increase from about 15% to about 17 or 18% over the next few years. And so that should drive some more growth in the industry. And then the other, I guess, age group or category that they look at is students. And, you know, we touched on the fact that textbook sales are an absolute rort, but people have to buy it. The number of secondary and tertiary students is growing, or I guess barring what happens with COVID and international students, it's expected to continue to grow. Mm. And so that again should just drive not massive growth, but some growth in the overall market for books. So it feels like this is an industry that is slowly growing. And so if we think about some of the experts that we've spoken to this year, you know, I think about Nick Griffin from Munro Partners and how he looks for companies that are on the cutting edge of an industry that's undergoing massive disruption and has massive growth potential. This doesn't feel like an industry that is poised to 10x in size over the next 10 years or something. So the question then becomes, in an industry that is not stagnant but is growing at a slow rate, for a company to be a really successful company, they need to take market share from other players. And so the question then becomes, how does Booktopia intend to do that how do they compete with the physical retailers but more importantly the amazons and the book depositories of the world and then it comes down to i guess how do you run your business so if you think about all right well we need to increase traffic to our website we need to become more efficient with how we fulfill orders and get them out to customers so we can improve the i guess the underlying costs of running that part of the business how can we sell more to people once they come to the website improve conversion rates How can we use technology to, I guess, provide recommendations for books to people that come to our website? So how can we leverage partnerships? I guess, of course, they'd be looking at how they can build their publishing side of the business as well. So those, I guess, are the key things that you probably need to be thinking about when, I guess, analyzing Booktopia's strategy and and how they're going to be taking market share away from Amazon because there is no doubt Amazon are equally going to be improving the way that they distribute books, utilizing the amount of data and AI that they've got to be recommending books to their customers. So Booktopia are now playing with the big boys in that space and it'll be interesting to hear from from the CEO on how they intend to, I guess, capture more market share, particularly in the digital space. Yeah, yeah. I think you touched on the main things that the company's talking about there, increasing website traffic, then improving the conversion rate on that website traffic, expanding further into the educational and corporate book sectors, investing in their distribution centers to increase efficiencies and improve their margins, 
drive partnerships such as the great partnership they've got with equity mates yes <laughs> <laughs> further acquisitions will be an interesting one building out their customer loyalty program and then expanding their publishing business as well so They've got a few key tenants that they're chasing, you know, increase top line growth, reduce their costs, and then find ways to acquire or vertically integrate to find different revenue opportunities. But I think that leads neatly into the financials. And the story of their financials for me is a story of great top line growth. So over the last three years, their revenue has gone from 111 million to 130 million to 166 million. So that, that's good numbers. They're projecting a scratch over 200 million for F21. So if that F21 number comes off over the last four years, they've almost doubled their revenue, which is impressive for a retailer in a slow growing field. So I think, you know, when we were talking about the strategy being, if you're in an industry that is slowly growing, you have to take market share from other players and they're doing that. The problem becomes in how you turn that revenue into profit. And their profit numbers haven't improved at the same rate. Well, their net profit after tax is basically zero. Wow, yeah. So in FY18, they did 1.6 million. FY19, they did zero exactly. FY20, they did 200 grand. FY21, they expect to lose money. But I imagine a lot of that has to do with listing costs and stuff like that. So that, that might be a bit of an aberration. But if we look at EBITDA, which is their profit, but with interest, tax, depreciation and amortization stripped out. It's gone from about four to five to seven and it will, they expect it to go back to five in F21. So the incredible top line growth, that incredible revenue growth that they've seen isn't really reflected in the profit numbers as well. And this probably comes to my key reservation about the book selling industry and it's a question of unit economics and i think i've said unit economics in every company <laughs> deep dive we've done so far if you think about the unit economics of a book for every book that you want to sell as booktopia or if you're a physical book retailer like dimmix or something like that you incur the cost of bringing it into your warehouse and then distributing it to a customer or distributing it to a store and then selling that to a customer. And for every incremental you sale you make, you incur an incremental cost with that. And so as your revenue scales, your cost scale, and the most important thing becomes your profit margin on each unit. And Books, because it's such a highly competitive industry, because they're competing with the likes of Amazon, physical books, the unit economics aren't spectacular. Digital books, it's another story. If you think about how Amazon distributes their Kindle books, they don't incur any of those costs of driving it to a warehouse, ranging it in their warehouse and then delivering it to a customer. They create the digital copy or I would expect that Amazon tell the publishers to pay to create a digital copy. They host it on their website and when I want to buy it, I click it and they deliver it digitally to my Kindle. And so the unit economics for Amazon of selling digital books is just so much better because there's next to no incremental cost for every digital book they sell. And so for me, that is the key financial thing that the hurdle that Booktopia has to overcome is that they're faced with difficult unit economics compared to digital books. Mm -hmm. Fascinating industry, Ren. And you're right, you can see why it's going to be important that they try and capture that digital market as quickly as possible and try and turn this profit story around. But look, very much looking forward to speaking to Wayne Baskin, who is the Deputy CEO and Chief 
technical officer or technology officer at Booktopia. Mm. So that episode should be available in your feed now where we're going to ask him a lot more about this transition to the digital space. It is very hard to do a valuation on this one because it is not listed at the time of recording. However, their IPO is seeking to raise $43.1 million at $2.30 per share. So once this episode's released, it'd be interesting to see how it's trading. Well, yeah. I mean, if you do a basic discounted cash flow, this is where the key problem with discounted cash flows come in. The range of outcomes just differ so much based on your range of what assumptions you build in. So like to give you an example, I've used $8 million as their EBITDA number, rounded up a little bit. Let's say they can reflect that revenue growth rate into their bottom line, into their profit. Let's say they can grow at 20% annually for the next 10 years. Like that feels highly that super optimistic. Okay, let's say let's say 20% for the next 5 years and then 3% after that. Discount rate of 10%, you get 235 million call it valuation. That feels high. But if you say they're going to grow at the rate of the overall market, they're going to grow their profit at 3% annually, discounted at 10%, you get 118 million. So there's a pretty broad range of outcomes there. Yeah. yeah, for me, it's just that that profit number needs to grow. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Again, a company that is not as profitable as we were hoping for these series. But oh, uh, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it gives us a basis to do a valuation. Yeah. But I mean, like if you think about the two ways you make money as an investor, it's either from capital growth or from dividend yield, basically. And if Booktopia can't find a way to turn that profit number into something that's growing, it becomes difficult to expect a lot of capital growth. And if they're not making much profit or they're not making any profit, they can't really pay much in terms of dividends. So that's my reservation. But I think it'll be an interesting one to watch. Yeah, absolutely. Who knows? Maybe Amazon will acquire it as they continue just acquiring everything. (laughs) Have a listen to our interview with Wayne where we dig a little bit deeper on Booktopia. But Ren, as always, good to chat stocks. Thank you to uh, the sponsor for this episode, which is Superhero, Australia's newest and cheapest broker in town offering $5 brokerage flat fee and then also $0 for brokerage on all ETFs. So it's a pretty amazing offer. Head over there, superhero.com.au to sign up and check out their pretty amazing platform, to be honest. We're, we're pretty impressed with it. Also, a big thank you to our Equity Mates community member, Will Bennett, who helped us with the research on this show. Very much appreciated. But Ren, until then, we'll chat next episode. Sounds good. Thanks for listening to Equity Mates Investing Podcast, a production of Equity Mates Media. Please remember that everything you hear in Equity Mates Investing Podcast is general advice only. The content has been prepared without knowing your personal objectives, specific financial circumstances, or goals. The host of Equity Mates Investing Podcast may maintain positions in the companies discussed. Before considering any investment, please read the product disclosure statement and consider speaking to a licensed financial professional. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today.